We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful. A lot of anxiety. And it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to the Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Up next, Rob Smith is problematic, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. Republicans love America and Democrats hate America. Those are the dueling visions that the two parties have for this country. This is Rob Smith is problematic. all know that there are two main political parties in this country. I believe in what we have seen over the past few weeks with these conventions. First, we had the DNC Convention of Doom and Gloom and Destruction, and then we had the RNC, the Republican National Convention of Hope and Love for America. So these parties have two dueling visions for the country. Democrats believe that America is fundamentally broken, and only keeping them in power can save it from itself. They believe that we are racists. Uh, They believe that we're homophobic. They believe that we're awful. They believe that our founding fathers were horrible people. They believe that America is just a fundamentally broken place, that it always takes Democrats to correct, to rectify. They believe that America is fundamentally broken because of slavery, because of Jim Crow, because of systemic racism, because of policing, because of redlining, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I am not the guy that's going to deny any of that stuff. Well, you can't deny the existence of slavery or Jim Crow because that is basically like denying reality. We all know that stuff existed. But there are some conservatives and there are some people on the right that deny systemic racism and they will say, well, show me an example of systemic racism or institutional racism or all those things. And, and that's when I say, you know, we have redlining, we have so many different things, but America has always rectified what's wrong. America has always rectified what has been wrong with this country. We are leading to a more perfect union. And so that leads me to talk about what Republicans believe about America. Republicans believe that America is imperfect, but that everyone has the opportunity for a better life as long as you take some responsibility for your life and work for it. And it doesn't matter 
who you are, what you do, where you came from, what you look like, none of that stuff. Now, granted, Republicans have to do a much better job at being empathetic with a lot of different people in this country. They have to do a much better job at being empathetic with people of color and with with gay people and, and, and all the other stuff. And I'm not bringing that up to say that Republicans need to start making these groups victim groups. We don't need any more victim groups. God knows that the left has created enough of those. But we do have to be do a better job at being empathetic with the lived experiences of these people in this country. But we are trying. And when I saw the Republican National Convention last week, I saw a party that is in transition and that is trying to elevate the voices of these people into to have empathy for these lived experiences. Was it perfect? Is the way that Republicans and conservatives treat some of these people always perfect? Absolutely not. And God knows historically it has not been. But we're doing a good job at showing that everyone has the opportunity to create a better life in this imperfect union that we are all trying to perfect. So I used to be on the left. Everybody knows that I used to be on the left. I used to be a card-carrying. I don't know that I was a leftist, but I was definitely a Democrat. I would definitely have called myself a liberal. And when I was on the left, they make you think about yourself and about your country in what I believe are some fundamentally destructive ways. So as a Black gay guy, I'm always told that I'm oppressed. I'm always told that I'm a victim. I'm always told that racism is an issue, that structural racism is an issue, that institutional racism is an issue. When you are on the left and you either belong to one of these victim groups or you're one of these people on the left that that doesn't have a personality of their own, so they try to create a victim group for themselves. Think about these pink-haired girls that kissed another woman in the bar one time and now they're queer. Right. So these are people who don't have any personalities of their own. And so I have to try to adopt a victim group identity. But the left makes you believe that you are never in control of your own destiny. And I think back to the time that I lived in New York City when I was a liberal and I would walk down the street in New York and think that because somebody avoided eye contact or because somebody moved away is because I was black. I underperformed at jobs because I was, I was lazy. Look, I was lazy. I had great jobs in New York City. Um, not great jobs, but they were they were professional jobs. They were kind of jobs that my mother and my grandfather, my grandfather and everybody else would dream of. I underperformed at these jobs, not because I was lazy, but because they were just not interesting to me. I was obviously born to do something more than be a media buyer. But when I underperformed at these jobs, and when it was obvious that I was uninterested, and I got called out on that by superiors. You would oh you say, oh my God, oh, oh, this is just because they're racist. This is just because I'm black. You don't want to take any responsibility for yourself. And that's what the left teaches you. And so this is the sickness that is going on with the left right now in terms of what they are telling people, what they are telling their base about themselves. Now, not only do they have a lack of vision for America on a personal level, Because I fundamentally believe that if you can't be real with people, you cannot expect them to be real with themselves. I feel like the left treats their base like spoiled children that they need to coddle. 
that they can't tell them what's real about this world because guys, this world is not kind to any of us. This is a hard world. This world will chew you up and spit you out. But the left tells all of their victim groups and the left tells their base that the reason that this world is so harsh is because they are gay or black or Latino or Muslim or Asian or whatever. And I have news for these people. The, the world is pretty hard on everyone. And it doesn't help you exist in the world and it doesn't help you survive in the world and it doesn't help you thrive in the world if you've already got an excuse in your head as to why you are unsuccessful. And that is what it is. That is, these people are unsuccessful and they're angry about it. So when we see these videos, when we see these, these Black Lives Matter protesters accosting people while they're eating, accosting people in public, accosting people and demanding them to throw the fist up and show submission and all of that stuff, what you're seeing are some deeply unhappy people that are failures on some level that have internalized the idea that the reason they're unsuccessful is because of someone else. And how can you create a vision for America? How can you create a vision for this country when you are telling the American citizens that the country itself is bad? that the country itself is the problem, that the country itself is fundamentally racist, and that all of the people who maybe think differently politically are fundamentally racist. Now, this is the bad vision that they have on the, on the personal level, just in, in dealing with their base on an interpersonal level. It's a bad, destructive vision that's not going to create any success from their base. But they have bad visions on the national level. And that is what we saw at their Democratic National Convention for four nights. And I will tell you exactly what we saw and why it is so destructive and damaging for America once we get back. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Now what a lot of people may have missed about the DNC. And they missed this because... The mainstream media that basically functions as an arm for the Democratic National Co Committee covered a lot of this stuff up, is that their crazy fringe has gone mainstream. Now, there are fringes on both sides of the political aisle. I've told you about the fringes that I've come into contact with on the, on the Republican side. I have told you about some of the fringes that we have in the conservative realm. But we would never have the RNC basically legitimizing some of our fringes in the way that the DNC legitimized some of their nuts. So the DNC has caucuses live streamed during the daytime. You know, they keep the crazies during the day. They don't want the crazies on prime time. One of them was the 
LGBTQ caucus. I think it's still LGBTQ. It may be LGBTQIA. I don't, I don't know what parts of the alphabet soup they were using. But I watched a little bit of this stuff. I really did watch it because I, I really do want to speak from a place of authority when I talk about the far left. And by the way, this isn't just about the LGBTQ. This is just about in general. Because when you saw their live stream caucuses, we are treated to people promoting and advocating for the end of capitalism. They say they want to burn the system down. They say they don't really like America, hate it, don't feel comfortable here. Say that they don't believe in the Pledge of Allegiance. And even when some of them did say it, they took out under God of the Pledge of Allegiance. And when I tell you all of these things, these things are very real and it's all out there on the internet, like most of this stuff is, because your crazies can't stay too fringe for long in the age of the internet. But the difference is the DNC has actually given these people a platform that is sponsored by the Democratic National Committee to say these things. So these people were invited by the DNC to participate, to say things like they don't believe in America, to say things like we want the end of capitalism, to say things like we want to burn the system down. So what does that tell you about what the people on top actually think? So you can go one or two directions with that. You can say, number one, that the people at the top actually believe this. They are actually willing to burn the system down, to end capitalism, um, not believing in the Pledge of Allegiance, believing that America is fundamentally broken and irreparable. That is what the people at the top believe. That's one take. The other take is that the people at the top do not believe that, but that they are so cynical that they welcome this kind of conversation if it means more votes for them. And I don't know which one of those options or scenarios is more disturbing. I don't know which one is scarier, honestly. They're both pretty terrifying, actually. I say this all the time, guys. I want a world in which the left is not completely insane, but we do not live in that world because Donald Trump has broken these people. And one of the fundamental ways that Donald Trump has broken these people is that they have no message other than Donald Trump is bad. The DNC was Trump derangement syndrome on steroids. Now, if you don't know what Trump derangement syndrome is, Trump derangement syndrome is it's something that afflicts the left and the right in a couple of different ways. And I'll tell you how. For the left, we, I think that we see a lot of examples of Trump derangement syndrome on the left. I think we see a lot of people that have gone completely insane and been driven insane by the fact that this man is the president. The, the funniest thing is the meme where the people, the, the person is just screaming after the election and it's been memed so many times and it's kind of become an iconic meme. I'm, I'm smiling just thinking about it. This person is, that is one aspect of Trump derangement syndrome where the person is just screaming because they cannot take it. So that's what you have, your Trump derangement syndrome on the left. And the DNC was like, I said, Trump derangement syndrome on steroids. These people have no message other than the president is bad. The president is awful. Our lives are horrible. Your lives are horrible. And your life will not be better until you put us back in power. What a vision for America. And every lie that the media has told about Donald Trump was repeated to millions of people. And this is probably the most that I'll talk about the president through uh, during this podcast, because obviously this is a very political episode of, of this show. 
But these people lie. And these people lie about this man. And these people lie about this man to spread an agenda. And one of the most outrageous lies that has been repeated so many times that it's become canon on the left is the very fine people smear. And you know that smear. They say that after Charlottesville, the president called neo-Nazis and white supremacists very fine people. Now, it takes a journalism one-on-one student to download the entire transcript and to know that when he said very fine people, he was not talking about the neo-Nazis and white supremacists because of the fact that he explicitly condemned them in the sentence right after that. But they have ran with this lie, and this lie has become canon. And one of the failures of conservatives is not nipping that lie in the bud immediately. Because when you do nip the lie in the bud immediately, it doesn't become canon and people can move on. But they didn't do it. And so now that is canon. And so there's this Donald Trump bashing, bashing of Donald Trump. Your life is this, your life is that. By the way, these people are all extremely successful under Donald Trump's America. These politicians have not stopped making their mil- Like Nancy Pelosi is not all of a sudden not worth $178 million, probably more by now, because Donald Trump is president. But it's not that their lives are so bad. It's that they need their base to think that their lives are bad. And this whole time I was watching the DNC, I suffered through this. My only question is where are the ideas? Where is the policy? Where is a vision? You see a bunch of videos with obviously, you know, they they definitely check the diversity box. You have a lot of people like smiling, happy, black and brown faces saying, we're here for Joe. We love Kamala. She's our hero. You'd never know they call her Kamala the cop. You would never know that Kamala Harris is despised by a lot of people on not even the far left. Like she's despised by a lot of liberals. You would never know that through watching the DNC. You would never know that they call her Kamala the cop. You would never know that there's a lot of Black Americans who are like, this woman is the biracial child of Jamaican and Indian immigrants who went to an HBCU and pledged a, a Black sorority to get those quote-unquote Black bona fides. This is something that a lot of biracial politicians do. This is something that Barack Obama did. You know, he he got those black bona fides, quote unquote, so that they can sell this, this image of solidarity to people. But even outside of that, there was nothing about policy. There was just this gobbledygook about, quote unquote, creating a more equitable America, which apparently we have to vote for them in order to do. And so it was sad. It was depressing. It was all doom and gloom. Whatever happened to hope? Remember hope? I think they used to have that. I think that Barack Obama was supposed to, I don't know, I think I remember something about the streets were supposed to be paved with gold, and and I guess we were all going to be, I don't know, skipping over rainbows and, and holding hands when he got elected. But whatever happened to hope? They're hopeless. Because to them, America is hopeless. To them, America is broken, racist, beyond repair, unless you elect them. Because if you vote for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris in 2020, and you just, you know, leave the fact that Joe Biden's barely come out of his basement for the past six months and seems very confused when he does have events. And we've all seen videos of aides leading him 
to the car and like like literally like a nurse would lead an elderly person in a nursing home we've seen all of these things it's, i'm not a crazy person like i'm not some right-wing conspiracy theorist it's all out there so you have to ignore all of that stuff because if you elect them then america has hope again and that's the fundamental problem with their message because to them there can be no hope in your life unless they are elected and the dirty little secret that they don't want their base to know is that your life is going to be whatever it's going to be with or without them and i'm not saying that i'm voting for joe biden and kamala harris because that will never happen ever But if Joe Biden won the presidency and Kamala Harris was the vice president, I am still in control of my life. I am still going to love America. I am still going to fight for America. And I will still try to lead America to being that more perfect union. Republicans had hope. They had a vision for America. They had optimism about America. And I will tell you how they laid out that vision of hope for America after the break. Republicans had to kill the RNC, and they did. They killed it. Republicans put together an exceptionally well-produced four nights of television, and let's take ideas and everything else out of it. Let's talk about pure entertainment value, pure production value. They killed it. They did so much better than the DNC. And if we had anybody that had any sense of honor and truth in the mainstream media, they would have said so. It pained these people to say anything positive about the RNC when they know that what they were saying was exponentially better produced than the DNC. Because perhaps having the leaders of your party speak about their vision and hope for America in front of American flags is different than having the leader, one of the leaders of their party, speak about how awful America is in front of BLM blocks in some kindergarten classroom. And Republicans are better at this because we have to be better. You see, Democrats are lazy. Democrats are lazy because they have the mainstream media in their back pocket and still assume that anyone still watches it. They know that no matter what they do, what they say, no matter how boring or dreadful it is, no matter how many people are turned off by seeing Eva Longoria or Kerry Washington or Billy Porter doing whatever it was that he was doing in this awesome, awful song that he was doing, they know that they will be protected by the mainstream media. They know the mainstream media, those are their buddies. Like like President Trump said when he was uh, addressing the press corps early in the week, right before the, the RNC started, he asked them, he said, yeah, you know, I hope you guys had a good job at your convention last week. It was, it was brilliant. It was hysterical. So he is the master troll. But we have to be better because we know 
that we don't have the mainstream media in our back pockets. And not only the mainstream media, because guys, when I say CNN, MSNBC or whatever, like that's so old school. People like, I'm a millennial. I'm a, I'm a vintage millennial, but I'm still a millennial. And I will hold on to this. I will hold on to this until the end of time. I am a millennial. We do not watch that crap. So when I say mainstream media, I don't only mean CNN and MSNBC. I mean all of their little blue checkmark talking heads that float around Twitter. These are the people that get negative things trending about the RNC because they have no political power. So the only power that they have is social and cultural. And so the DNC, the Democrats, have all of these people in their back pocket. So they don't know. They don't really have to do all that much. I mean, Joe Biden was going to get high marks for that speech as long as he didn't drool on himself. I mean, that's how low the bar has been set. And they knew that people were going to, you know, I don't know, fawn all over it. But Republicans don't have the mainstream media in their back pocket. But you know what we do have? We have a lot of people that have some really great ideas. We have a lot of people that are good at articulating a new vision for the Republican Party in America and using stories and images and all of that stuff to do so. When we heard about from the man that escaped communist Cuba and told his story in front of those American flags again, by the way, and had tears in his eyes because he said, I fled communism and I've seen this all before. I've seen all of this stuff before. And I am so happy and blessed and proud to be an American because this is my freedom. That's powerful. When you have the president pardon a man, a black man, by the way, on live television, not live, but when you have the president pardon a black man as a part of a package that they aired, that's powerful. That is powerful imagery. These are messages of hope. These are messages of resilience. These are messages of love for America. When you have Daniel Cameron walk out, black man, if you guys don't know who he is, black man, the attorney general in Kentucky, when he walks out and calls Joe Biden to the carpet about what he has said about black voters, if you ain't vote for me, you ain't black, black people don't have any diversity of thoughts, the Republicans are going to put you back in chains. That is powerful messaging. And it's not just because I'm the crowd. Even watching it, if you are an independent, you would have to think about the vision that one party has for the country as opposed to the vision that the other party has for the country. There is a hope and a vision for America in the RNC that was not happening at the Democrat National Convention at all. We know there's COVID, but there's hope. We know our economy took a beating, but there's hope. We know America is imperfect, but we love it anyway, and we are hopeful for its future. That's the fundamental difference between the visions for this country that these two parties have. The left has been exposed by this presidency, by, by this man. Donald Trump has exposed them all. He has exposed who they really are. 
He's going to go down in history in a lot of different ways, but that is the fundamental way that he will go down. He has exposed the left to be petty, to be weak, to be vindictive. They have honestly become what they say they hate. I honestly hope they get better because they don't have any hope. They are hopeless. And it's not because of anything real and tangible. It's because of the ideas that are being put in their head by people who seek to control them, by telling them that their lives aren't good enough, by telling them that their lives are hopeless. There is a hope and vision for America at the RNC that was not in play at the DNC. During the RNC, when I saw these speakers and I saw the future of the party, I saw the highest ranking gay official ever to be in any presidential administration, Rick Grinnell, I have Rick on the podcast. I saw Latino Americans. I saw African Americans. I saw what our country really is. And the thing about it is the left uses these identities to divide people. And what I saw finally And this is, I'm telling you guys, they're afraid. The left is afraid of this. They see it too. They are afraid of this because they see a vision for America that is united by people with all different backgrounds. And what unites them is their love for America. They are always telling us on the left that love trumps hate. They are always telling us that love is stronger than hate, that love will always be a stronger way to bring people together than hate will. But yet all the left has is hate. During the RNC, I found and I saw a vision of hope and love for America that made me proud of America, even with all of her flaws, We live in a flawed country. We live in an imperfect union. But we also live in a flawed country that is an imperfect union that is the best country on this planet for people that are Black, for people that are gay, for people that are all of these different identity groups. And for all of us, because we're so lucky and blessed and privileged to be born here. And that's what I got from the RNC. I didn't get that from the DNC. That's a vision to make Americans proud. There is a hope and vision for America here that was not in play at the DNC. That is a vision for the future of America. That is a vision of hope. That is a vision of love. And that is a vision of change in the Republican Party. And it made me feel so proud to be even a small part of that change. Join me next week on Rob Smith is Problematic because I'm going to take on Black Lives Matter. Thank you to our sponsors. Please support them so that we can bring the show to you for free. Please visit my show page at robsmithisproblematic.com and please tell your friends about the show and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts so that other people can learn what the show is about. Tell your friends, share on social media, put it in your stories. 
write the comments on Twitter. Just all of that engagement is great. It helps us get the message out to more people. Thanks to producer Stephen Calabria and researcher Aaron Kliegman, executive producers Debbie and Newt, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. I'll see you guys next week. Part of the Gingrich 360 Network.